Praise the Lord. What a blessed day. We have had the honor of worshiping our Father in heaven and Lord Jesus Christ in a unified service. We've had the uh, privilege of sharing communion and what Christ has done for us on the cross. And, and Brian, I thought when you were getting into maybe uh, the, the, uh, the mason jar, that's how we were going to distribute communion uh, in COVID times. That would have been a lot better than the original wafers we got. We've also just seen Carly immersed into Jesus Christ, had her sins forgiven by the name and power of Christ's work on the cross, and now we get to celebrate that together. Let's do that again. Let's give glory to God. On top of all that, right now we get to dive into God's word and let it win. We get to let it win in our hearts and our minds. And what's really cool on a day like today, and we can do this every day, but as a, as a body, we're going to leave this place and put it into practice. We're going to let the word win in our hearts and minds and our hands and our feet as we practice serving as the Lord served us. I'm so thankful that I get to serve with you at Greenville First Christian Church. It's an honor to serve you and to serve with you as we fulfill our mission to love God, love people, and to serve all. That, that's our mission here. And no matter where you're at today, if you're online or listening on the radio, if you're hearing this right now, you can join with us on the mission. Now, you may not be able to go uh, to the exact project that we're heading out to in Bond County and beyond, but you can get out of your place uh, uh, that you're listening right now, and you can go and serve people in the name of Jesus to bring him glory. It's exciting that we get to serve and live a generous life. That's what we're talking about this month, living a generous life. If you're like me, at one point or maybe even now, you're like, I, I, I want to be generous, but I don't really feel like how I could ever really be a generous person to live a generous life. For years, I believed that to be generous, you either had to be super rich or super holy. I don't know if you can relate to that. You see, the super rich simply had a lot to work with, so they, they were good. And the super holy uh, had God to work with, so they were good. But, but myself as a teenager, especially into my early adulthood, I wasn't super rich and I definitely wasn't super holy, so I could never be really generous and, and live a generous life. How, how could I ever become generous? It's not that I didn't want to be generous. As a young boy, I would help out around church and serve people in the community. I would even give of my money that I earned working in the hog barns or at grandpa's house. I was trying to be generous, but how could I be generous like the people I really knew were generous? Those people that always seem to have extra canning things to give to their friends. How could I be generous like that person that always had the ability to meet a need, no matter how big it was, and they were happy doing it? I had a hard time thinking I could ever be that person. I wonder if you're like me in that. Sure, if I would uh, have made it into the NBA and made millions of dollars playing professional basketball, then I could be generous. Or if I became the, the uh, CEO of a Fortune 500 company, then I would be generous. But then I went to Bible college, and, and I was playing on a Division three basketball team, and the coach told me, don't shoot. I knew my NBA career was over, okay? Tyson, go play defense, rebound, just don't shoot. And then I realized my major, youth ministry. I wasn't going to make a million bucks right off the gate. I wasn't going to be able to be generous. And in my concept of, of generous, the dreams kind of started to fade away. Over the years, I aspired to continue to be generous, but my thought of it was skewed. To be honest, during my first few years of marriage and full-time ministry, my desire to be faithful to giving and to, to be generous to others 
sometimes took us to an unhealthy place with our pocketbook. And it led us to situations that we were financially frustrated within our marriage and within our bank account. I'm sure none of you here today have ever had financial frustration make your way into your marriage. It's never happened, has it? So what do we do? What made it so hard for me, even in the ministry, to live a life that I thought would never be generous? Well, what was the disconnect? Well, it started with an unbiblical perception of what generous meant. Hear this. Generosity isn't limited to the, isn't limited to the extremely rich or religiously righteous. It's just not. It's not limited to those people. It has little to nothing to do at all with how much you have in your hands or how holy you look to others. Generosity flows first from the heart. But here's the interesting thing, and we want to cover this this month. It starts in the heart, but it flows and can be seen through how you hold your hands. It really can. That's the first place it really shows up. How you hold on to what's in your hands. What do you mean, Tyson? Generosity can be seen in how you hold your hands. You can tell a lot from how people hold their hands. You really can. It's body language, a lot of things. I just want to uh, do some participation here. And I'm going to hold my hands a certain way, and I want you to kind of shout out what, what you see, what, what you know about a person that's holding their hands this way. First one, this. If I hold my hands like this and I put it to my head, what do you, what do you see? Okay, yeah. Salute, right? You, you see an honor. H- how about this? What if I do this? Pray. You guys are quick. You're good. You're good. How about this one? Good, excellent, excellent. Keep it up. Okay, don't stop. Uh, how about this? If you're old enough, you probably know this. Two or peace, that's right. Both are true. This, this would be, let's just, it's not on the screen. What's this one? Three, okay, three. How about this one? Pledge. Commitment, yeah. How about this one? If you're over 40, you're probably going to get this. Okay. If you're under 40, you might get this. If I take the same sign, it's not going to be on the screen, and I put it below my waist and I look this way, what is this? Anybody know? I haven't heard anybody. It's the circle game. I don't even know what it means. Hopefully it doesn't mean anything bad. I understand it's a game. You have somebody try to look at it when you're not looking at them, and then you got it. It's kind of like a gag. But you can tell a lot from the way a person holds their hands. Or how about this? Uh, someone that's currently dating a Kansas City Chiefs uh, player put, made this famous. What is this? Heart, made famous by Taylor Swift recently. You, you can tell a lot. This month, I want us to consider the position of your hands and how it relates to your generosity. A major part of our ability to be generous is connected to how we hold what's in our hands. This concept became very clear to me a little over 15 years ago now. I couldn't do the exact math, but my brother and I were both raising two toddler boys okay his boys are named uh, Bryson and Caden mine at the time were Dawson and Deacon and we were comparing notes about what it was like to be a father of two toddlers they live in Indiana we were in Illinois we'd get together and be like the boys are so different from one another one way that we could really tell they were different they were different in how they were willing to share if you've raised children you know it can be very different one will be willing to share anything another one will be like, I'm not sharing at all and we kind of devised a plan to kind of put this to the test. And we were going to see how they held on to things. But I need some volunteers to help me with this. I need two volunteers to help. And if um, it's going to be fun. If you love chocolate, it makes it even better. So uh, 
Anybody, anybody want to be confident? You two girls are perfect. You're together. Come on down, girls, right back here. The, give it up. I'm not sure who that is yet. I can't quite see. Come on down. They are under the age. They're probably not teenagers yet, and everyone else in the room is say, I'm not sure what's going on. You girls, really thank you for coming up here. So tell us your names. What's your name? Amelia. Amelia and Lily. Amelia and Lily. What I did with my boys, you can kind of stand around this table. I should have had a little, you stand there and you stand right, uh, Amelia, come and just stand right here, okay? Um, what I did with my boys, is, and my brother did, is we gave them pieces of a chocolate candy bar. And I'm going to give you the same, but I'm going to ask you to do the exact what we told our boys. We said, just hold on to these in your hands and wait for more instruction, okay? So I would just want you to do the same, and um, you can break that, that half off there, just that total half. Let's just break it right there. You put that. And I'm going to ask you to just put it on the table, and you hold it like this, okay? And we told the boys, uh, just hold on to that. One of the boys did that. They kind of held it just in their hand, just waiting for instruction. And then both of us had boys that took a piece of candy, and I would just like you to kind of close fist it, okay? Just, why don't you break it half again? We'll just, we'll just get all after this. Now, oh, no, no, you're, you're all right. Just, you leave yours open. You leave yours open, okay? You're good, you're good. You're going to leave yours open, open-handed, and you're going you're gonna to close fist yours and just kind of squeeze the heck out of it, okay? All right. Now, but you can both, if you're comfortable, you can kind of just leave it up there so everybody can watch your candy, okay? So we did this to our boys, and what happened was we didn't give them instruction how they were to hold it. Both of us had, within our family, a boy who kind of close fisted, and another one's like just waiting for instruction. You can about imagine what that looked like, and these were uh, two and four-year-olds at the time. It was an interesting thing to watch. You could about imagine how it went as they waited for instruction, and girls, we're just going to kind of go on with the sermon and just stand here, okay? You help me out the rest of the day? <laughs> so you're good. Just If you need to move, you can, but keep yours open. And keep yours tight. So the boys were doing this, and, and it's, it's pretty interesting of what happened to them. But I wonder, how do you hold on to the things God has blessed you with? We told our boys, hey, here's the candy. Uh, just wait a second. We're going to let you do whatever you want, but just, just wait a moment. And, and they were drooling. They were doing their thing. But they had very different approaches. What's your approach? Are you close-fisted or are you open-handed with the blessings that God has for you? God's word is going to call us today to be generous and to be open-handed. At the root of generosity is this idea of open-handedness. In fact, the Hebrew word that we get our word for generous has this basic definition. It means overflowing, benevolent, bountiful, open-handed. The Greek word, meant, uh, the base, means lavish, ready to share any moment, and open-handed. This month, as we set out to be more generous, to live generous lives, I want us to consider if we're truly being open-handed. But how smart is it to be open-handed? You, you can, if it's hurting your hand, you can release a little bit, all right? <laughs> now, here's the thing. Open-handed seems like the hard thing. Is, is it wise? Uh, uh, at times, you're like, is it smart to be open-handed? What if somebody abuses the situation and, and takes what I have? I, I want to admit, it is smart to spend sensibly. It is wise to save systematically. But if you want to be truly generous, you must live open-handedly. 
You must have an open hand uh, with what we've been given. Because our Father in heaven has entrusted us with everything from the beginning anyways. Here's the reality. We have been blessed to be a blessing. I, I look back of what we studied in a generosity moment last year, and it was this concept, we've been blessed to be a blessing. It's thousands of years old of truth. In fact, some 4,000 years ago in Genesis 12, God told this to Abraham. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you'll be a blessing to others. All nations on earth will be blessed because of you. But you're like, that's the Old Testament. We're talking about chocolate candy today. Uh, we're, we're in a totally different world. That, that was just for the Old Testament leading to Jesus. No, in the New Testament after Jesus, look what Paul says. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. Paul says you're going to be blessed so you can be generous in every way. You're like, but I haven't been enriched. No one gave me candy today. I don't have any chocolate. I'm, I'm not blessed. My bank account is empty. It's not really fair how I've been treated, really. A few years back, there was a survey conducted compared with the data in the United States of America. And here's the reality. You have been blessed so much. Here's the reality. If your household income is $49,802, which is the average income in the United States of America for a household, you earn more money than 99% of the world's population. I would say a lot of your households may be much more than that or even double. And even if it's only $49,802, if that's your combined income of the teenagers and the adults live in your house, you're more wealthy than 99% of the world. We're blessed. Did you know that one half of the world's population lives on less than $2 a day? I've wasted $2 worth of candy right here, okay? <laughs> our world is expensive living, and, and most of our world lives on less than $2 a day. Uh, in, prepare, in preparation for this, I went to IJ and bought some candy bars. I was just kind of trying to see how it was going to go in my mind. I, I made it into the house with some hamburger um, and took the hamburger out to, to start making supper and just laid the candy bars there and was going to wait and move them the next day on the way back to church. I woke up the next morning after waking the boys up, in their downstairs bathroom, all three candy bar wrappers were in the trash. <laughs> if you do the math, that's like nine bucks at IGA, you know? We're blessed, aren't we? In the United States of America, we're blessed. And the girl's are like, can I just eat a piece of candy? We are so blessed. Some, sometimes what's in our hands is so valuable. Here's the question. Are we open-handed, hoping to bless? Are we closed-fisted, making a mess? Are we open-handed with what we have, looking to bless others? Are we closed-fisted all the time? It's mine, it's mine, it's mine, but it's becoming a mess. So let's just do time out. Let's do a little check. Your candy looks tremendous. It's, it's actually melting just a little bit. Open your... <laughs> Yours is all molded. It looks like you're, you've got an imprint of all your... Go and close it back up. Thank you, girls. <laughs> but which one of these girls do you more look like in your life with what you've been blessed with? Are you open-handed saying, God, what would you like me to do? Or are you holding on to it, making a mess? Too much of the time, I'm a lot like this fist over here. Ah, I 
can't let go of it. It's too risky. I wonder what you're more like. Today we're going to look at three amazing reasons why it's good to be open-handed. Here's the first one. We're going to go fast because we're going to get out and work. Living generously with an open hand changes our lives for the better. Did not get one amen with that, okay? Living generously with an open hand changes our lives for the better. Follow me here. Living a generous life produces blessing in other people's lives and yours. Brian just testified to it. Praise God for canning, you know? Uh, it's an amazing what happens when, when you invest in others, how you'll be blessed. It's good. God, God provides. Did you know the very last words of Jesus after the Gospels? Uh, he's recorded in Acts a couple different times. But, the, but at the end of Acts, in Acts chapter 20, Paul is talking to a group of elders. And he's, he's in, instructing them on some very important things. Uh, one of them being generosity, and he's talking to these elders. He says, hey, guide your church to be generous. And he says, by the way, it's because Jesus said this. He says, reminding them the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Did you know that those words of Jesus are not in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, but it's in Acts? Paul says, Jesus said this. I heard him say it. It's so important for you elders to know it so you can share it with the church. Jesus' words are, are so true. we got to let the word win. But you already knew it. You already knew it before you were reminded of those words. You, you know that when you're generous, life is better. When you help others, not only are they blessed, there's joy in that. There, there's a blessing. All throughout the Bible, we see God looking for people who are willing to be generous and open-handed. All throughout the Bible... We see God saying, okay, that person is going to take their blessing they receive from me and not bury it, not, not lock it up, not, not hold on to it tightly. But God's looking for people that he can give a blessing to that will kind of overflow and be shared with others. He, he's always looking to entrust others with that type of blessing. If you're like me, this may not make much sense. A lot of times we think, uh, if I'm not careful with this, then I'll lose it, and we become stingy and worried about losing something to the world, never willing to pass it on. Recently, the elders and I have recommitted to being open-handed with our resources, with the blessings that God gives us, so that the blessings that we're entrusted with from you and from God himself, that they wouldn't just be held on to, but they would flow out and bring glory to God that deserves it in the first place. We're wanting to invest in others who see the ability to bless others, but how can we do that? I want to level with you. On my arrival to FCC, I was blessed and afforded with a tremendous gift. Just months before I arrived, the church, based on your stewardship and your giving and the leader's vision, became debt-free. And what, what a great blessing it is to, to begin a ministry and not be burdened with debt. So think about this. We were debt-free. And here, here's the cool part. At that point, it meant that 100% of our giving moving forward would go to kingdom work in these walls, in the community, and around the world. 100% of it. Isn't that a blessing? For kingdom growth. And I want you to know, over the last six years, we've been able to continue to that debt-free nature. And anything we've spent money on, it has been with cash. So continually, 100% of what you give goes to kingdom work for kingdom growth uh, for the glory of God. And I'm so thankful that that is currently the position we're in. All the time, I realize this year that we have not been keeping pace 
with our projected offering targets. It's, we're a little behind. But here's what's cool. God continues to provide in ways that the elders and I don't fully understand. And we have resources beyond what we budgeted to invest. And that's why days like days of service happen where we gather here, we learn from the word, and then we go out and bless others in ways that weren't even really in the budget. And that gives them hope and it changes their lives because we don't want to set on the resources we have. We don't want to bury things hoping, oh, can we make it through a rainy day? We know God can provide through any day. It leads me to something else really cool to share. I'm so thankful for this. The elders not wanting to set on resources, uh, have decided to invest in four visionary members of our church. We've never done anything like this before. It's an open-handed movement, uh, an open-handed movement that happened uh, also uh, this year on Easter. Uh, instead of uh, saying, hey, Easter's going to be a large attendance, a large offering, we're going to make sure we can pull that in and set on that. The elders said at, before Easter, every single thing we bring in in that day is going to be open-handed, is going to go exactly and flow out the same week. And those monies that came on on Easter went to mission work around the world. And I praise God for that open-handed nature. Let's let's give him glory for that. Great job, girls. Great job. One thing I want to share about today, though, is just brand new. An open-handed commitment from the elders is also this. They found those that weren't connected in a family sense or in close relationship with People that said, hey, this person needs help on service day. We identified four different visionary members of our church, and we said, we want to bless you with resources to help people like that because you saw them, and we trust you to put this in your hands to be God's holy resources to give people hope. So people that identified people we can serve, we have chosen this weekend to bless them, to keep that blessing going. And I thank God that there were Four people that identified someone in need that has no connection to them at all. And I I praise God for that. Let's give God glory. Here's here's what I want you to know. Our elders truly believe that it's better to give than receive. When we let the word win in this way, we're better. We're just better. Life is good. Now, don't get me wrong. There's a blessing when when, uh, uh, Diane comes in in on Tuesday and says, hey, good news, we made budget for this week. There's a blessing for that. But such a better blessing when I know there's a single mom in Dee's office, and she's telling him about a need that we knew nothing about, and he says, yeah, we, we can meet that need. And she gives glory to God. That's better, isn't it? There, there's even a better blessing uh, not, not better than that, but there's a better blessing to have a, a big budget whenever, um, whenever the benevolence team comes across a family that, that has a need. And, and they don't even express it, but we can meet that need so that family keeps electricity on and, and food in the refrigerator. That's better than having a big budget. There's a, a big blessing than having a big budget to know that we have missionaries that have wondered, especially during the pandemic, are people going to continue to support? And we made a commitment, we're going to support you no matter what. That, that, that's a better blessing. It's better to give than to receive. Here's one other thing I want you to know about an open-handed attitude that, that just got turned loose. If you haven't noticed, there's inflation in our world. I still find this interesting. Um, this is exact same thing of chocolate candy. One now has 220 calories. One has 210, and they're the same package. That's confusing to me. Uh, we're getting less, and we're paying more. It's inflation. 
And it's, it can be seen in benevolence request. D and the benevolence team have had a budget that's been pretty steady since I've been here six years. But this year, uh, the need is far outpacing our budget. So this week, the elders said, between now and the end of the year, and we're going to make a budget for next year that probably reflects this, but between now and the end of the year, we are really doubling what D and his team have available to give to families that have legitimate needs. And it is a blessing not only for our church, but for the county. And I, I praise God for that. Let's give God glory. You know people that live with an open-handed attitude. You know that person that says, I I've got the check. How can I help? We all need a friend that when we're moving says, I'll be there to help. But honestly, who likes to pack up a house in boxes, put it in a truck, drive uh, across the state, unpack the boxes, and put it away in a house? Who likes to do that? No one. But don't we all love the friend to say, I'll be there to help you move? That friend is full of joy. That, that friend is the type of friend that you, you're blessed with. But the friend that says they'll help, man, they're going to be blessed as well. Here's the next thing. Living generously connects us with others. That's it. Living generously builds relationships that brings joy. Think about it. What's the opposite of generous? I think of Scrooge, you know, from the Christmas Carol. That's the opposite I think about, you know, Scrooge. And he's got no, no one in that big house except ghosts that come around and haunt him, you know. Terrible. The opposite of Scrooge is generous. And you think of that miser old man with the root word misery, with the root word of miserable that comes from. It's the idea that when we're selfish and greedy, we're going to be miserable. And we know it's true. Uh, the word of God uh, shares with us, it says this in, in Proverbs 11, the generous will prosper in, in every way, relationally in every way. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. I'm sharing this as a core because I want you to be refreshed. We're doing all of this this month and focus on God's word, not so we can get more from you, so that there will be more for you in refreshment in your heart, in your bank account, in your soul, in your relationships. Man, I know about a refreshing firsthand when I hold on loosely. There was a time in my life, it's been about the same time as I did the experiment with the chocolate. Great job, girls. Um, but I needed a new car. I had an old, um, I think it was a 1987 LeSabre, decent car, but I ran it in the ground. It, it was just about the end of its leg. I wasn't comfortable putting the kids in it. I didn't let Tiffany drive it, and so I was looking for a new car, and it was this time of year. I, was, I, I went to Streeter to farm with my in-laws, and my grand, uh, the boy's grandfather and my father-in-law found it. It's one of those things you talk about here on the internet, a barn find. You know, you ever heard of a barn find, a, that car that, man, is just what you needed? It wasn't exactly just what I needed. This was the barn find. It's a 1983, 98 Oldsmobile. It was about 30 feet long. It had a couch in the front and a couch in the back. You get 10 people in this thing. <laughs> and I started driving it. I could put all four boys in the back and Tiffany, you know, just driving around town. And it was, it was meant it hadn't been driven for like 12 years, and we made a deal on it. It was great. Drove that thing for a, uh, about a month, and I was at church. And there was a new guy who was coming to church who was also brought in to farm with a local farmer. He didn't have anything. He, the farmer was just kind of giving him a place to live and feeding him and letting him get back on his feet. But he started coming to church. He took like the farmer's old beat-up work truck 
uh, to church uh, for a few weeks, and we got talking, and, and uh, one day he came to me and said, man, I really need to get to Indiana. It's four hours away. I got a funeral I need to get to, but I don't have wheels. I said, well, you can drive my car. It's the Blue Goose. That's what the boys called it, the Blue Goose. He said, really? You'll let me take that? I said, yeah, you know, it just, it's old. It's in 1983, but it's low miles. It's in good shape. It'll get up to interstate speed, uh, no problem. It just takes a long time to get there, you know? <laughs> One of the guys that went to our church that was kind of new, that wasn't a believer, also knew this guy had come to town. He was kind of working with the farmer and with him. He knew of this guy. And he heard through the grapevine that I let him take the car to Indiana. He came to me one day after church, and he said, the next day, he said, I don't think you'll ever see your car again. He didn't trust this guy at all. The guy didn't have a cell phone. There's no way to get hold of him. I said, no, he'll bring it back. Three days, he said, to be gone. Three days come, four days, five days, six days. Haven't heard from him. I'm like, the car's not coming back. Then all of a sudden, he was back. But he did say, he said, you were right, it didn't get up very fast, and I drove it hard, and it started making noise on the way back home. I drove it for a few more months, and it finally just blew up. You know, the engine was shot with only like 30,000 miles. Who knows what happened? That guy kind of came and went from our lives. But the guy that told me that he didn't think the car would be back said, you know what, my grandfather's got a shop, and he said, I will work with you and rebuild that engine. We'll get it put back together. And I said, that sounds like a great plan. So over the next couple of weeks, uh, uh, on our spare time, we took the engine out, rebuilt it. it. It had a spun bearing and the crank. We replaced the bearings and the pistons and had a new, new engine, pretty much. What was interesting, that guy that began to help me, he had seen me be generous to our friend. Then he was generous to me. And what is amazing, and this is the main reason we're generous, Living a generous life helps us connect others to Christ. Because in that time, when I was talking to my friend that was helping me rebuild the engine, he came to know Jesus and trust him. And weeks later, he was baptized. And I sold that blue goose, never wanting to see it again, you know. <laughs> I wonder what generosity will do for you. How you trust others and what, what it will give back. But, but know this, it, it's good, it's godly, it connects us with others, and it connects others to Christ. So let me ask you, as we close, we're going to check on the girls one more time. You've done great. Let's give it up for these girls. <laughs> Chocolate's soft. They're not M&Ms. They, they, they will melt in your hand, okay? Um, the open-handed one, there's still a couple different pieces that you would share with friends. You could, no, most definitely. Go ahead and open yours up. I would not share that with anyone. <laughs> I don't think anyone would ever eat that. These over here, I think your mom and friends would, would enjoy that. Now, the ones on the bottom, you've held on pretty tight to that. But I wonder, girls, just kind of step up here. Just kind of step up here. Go ahead, and, go ahead and open your hand again. I wonder which you would rather have to be shared with. These that have been open-handed the whole time? Or this mess? Girls, you can have a seat. Be very careful. I'm, I, there's, there's some tissue right there if you need that. But here's the reality. Yeah. Are you currently open-handed hoping to bless? Or are you closed-fisted making a mess? I have made a mess of things more than once in my life with what I try to hold on to tightly. But every time I'm open-handed and I say, God, use it as you want, 
good things, great things, godly, gospel things happen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, help us to hold on loosely, to be open-handed. We give this to you. Let, let us, with our time today and our talents and our treasures, say, Lord, they're yours. We've been blessed to be a blessing. Lord, let us let the words of Jesus win, that it's better to give than receive. Thank you for what we've received, and let us use it for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.